Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I'm your host, and today we are going to be talking about developing ideas, not inspiration. We get inspiration from all over the place. But once we have it, once a piece of inspiration strikes, what do we do with it? How do we take that little seed of an idea and develop it into a full-fledged concept that we can paint or photograph, something that communicates our intentions or what we want to explore well enough to be captivating to an audience to help them explore those ideas and ask those questions. This is something that is like any other technique, a skill. This is a skill set that we have to build for ourselves because, first of all, we're each going to learn our individual processes. We have to figure out the way that we think, what things inspire us, when we're the most creative. We have to do all those things so we can pull ideas together. And of course, we've mentioned our visual libraries before, right? How do we take in information that gets stored away in our brain for later use when we're developing these concepts? How do we figure out which ideas are related? How to provide contrast to an idea? How we take the idea of sadness and grow it into something that we can photograph or paint that viewers can identify and feel connected to? And that process, it's gonna be a little bit different for everybody, but we can learn a lot about ways that we can develop that process by hearing how other people do it and then experimenting with some of those things to figure out what works for us. If this is a skill set we haven't built for ourselves yet. So I'm actually really excited to talk about this because this is something I sometimes consult on, which means people will literally just pay me money to help them develop ideas um, and explore things so they can get a clearer picture of what it is they want to do. And it's very, very cool to introduce people to this way of thinking because if it's not something you've practiced before, it can be a really difficult new skill set to learn, which is why I'm so excited to hear from our panelists today and then pull up people from the audience and hear the way that you do it so all of us can kind of expand our abilities here. This conversation is actually stemming from a really fantastic question we had in the Facebook group. Trish found a really crazy cool necklace, just something incredibly like visually stimulating and red and black, very organic looking. And she wanted to develop an idea off that and just was like, hey, trying to develop something visual for this. Where would you guys take it? And of course, being the creative mastermind that she is, Becca just went off on how she would take this necklace and develop a concept around it in order to really show it off and tie into the shape and the color and the themes and all those kinds of things. So I thought that was a fantastic example. I want to touch on what that process looks like and see if we can break it down in our heads. 
What do we do when we're inspired? How do we take that initial seed and water it and feed it and grow it into a gorgeous tree? What are some of the steps that we take? So beginning with our wonderful moderators this morning, would love to hear from y'all. And then Trish, yes, we're absolutely gonna grab you and bring you up because um, I'd love to hear from you what that process has been like for you also. But let's start with uh, our folks up on the panel this morning. How do you wonderful artists develop concepts from inspiration? Wow, okay. Um, this is gonna be a much much harder topic to talk about, I think, than I was I was expecting. Um, I know. Be, be careful, Matt. She asked for wonderful artists. Eh? Yeah, I know, and that's why I kind oh, of I wandered in here. It was quiet there for a second. But <laughs> some <laughs> coming out with the right hook. Um, yeah, you know, for for me, I we've talked about inspiration quite a bit, and I've told you about how I keep a journal of all these ideas and sketches and whatnot. For me, I, I like to see if an idea, first and foremost, sticks. Does it hold up over time? And that, to me, is one of the biggest things that I look for. Is it just a fleeting moment of inspiration? Is it that the good idea fairy landed and we had a conversation and I thought it would be a great thing? But if it doesn't stick with me for a couple of days and keep nagging at me and keep me up at night or get me excited to think about how I could expand it a little bit further, then it, it doesn't really hold up, right? For me, I, I think that's, eh, maybe there are some pieces there that I can use in some ideas down the line, but right now it's not holding up. Does that make sense? So if an idea stays with me for two or three days, then I start to really understand, all right, this is something worth exploring. And I start writing out notes and developing it a little bit further. But that can be an idea of a piece of art. It could be a photo shoot. It could be a kitchen remodel, right? But the idea itself has to stick with me for a couple of days. I'm going to start there and let some other folks talk about their process. But if it doesn't pass that two or three day test, it's not an idea. It's just a flash of inspiration that can wait for later. I really like that, Matt. And I have um, much the same process for things that I know I'm going to invest in in the long term, if they don't stick around, then um, then I, I I have too many ideas. <laughs> so if something doesn't stick, I could very easily just add it to you know the list of maybe potential backlog for some day when I don't have ideas. But that hasn't happened yet, so I do have to filter them out by the the sticky question: Are they sticky? Yeah. One, um, so I'm, I'm with you there. One of the things that I do is I keep a running in Evernote. I use Evernote for a lot of things. And so I keep a running note in Evernote that is just titled ideas. And it is these snippets, these, you know, these brain bursts um, that come out. And I visit that all the time and I'll see stuff from a year or two ago. And I'm like, you know what, that's still a good idea, but I'm not there yet. It doesn't fit into what I'm doing overall, but it's definitely worth exploring. So I leave it on the list. And then there are some yeah, things beginning by having that idea journal is genius. And that's, that's really what it comes down to is the idea journal. You've nailed it. Yep. All right. So what else, what other things do we do y'all to start developing the inspiration that shows up? I guess I'll have to jump in because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of producing art, but I guess I have to, 
get away from that because I I I really actually uh, what's the word D you know produce something as opposed to just do client work and I do it my way uh, but I do want to talk about how I develop ideas and and in general I mean I do uh, I do make lists and, and put ideas down and and and, and bulleted uh, lists of, of all my ideas and what goes into them and as I think about them and and, and uh, I add bullets and I add ideas but essentially when it comes down to de actually developing it into something I like to work backwards and what I mean by backwards is reverse engineering the final product whatever it is so I'm gonna use an example a presentation of some kind whether it's uh, for a networking group or whether it's for business uh, uh, corporate purposes I always like to start with the final product uh, who is the audience? What's it going to look like? What is the content that's impactful, that's important to cover? Uh, I actually produce the damn thing, even though it's blank, right? So I would develop a presentation with titles on top and colors and, and boxes, and they're completely empty. And then I work backwards to say, okay, now that this is what I think my audience wants to see, how do I start reverse engineering or working backwards to see what is the appropriate thing that I need to go get? The, thing, the data that I need to develop, the art that I need to find uh, that would convey the message I'm trying to convey. Now, it doesn't mean that's the only way. It's an iterative process, so I, I go backwards and then I start, you know, the other way around and, it's, and you can always add to it and remove from it. But my, my starting point is, what is the final product going to look like for it to be successful? How do I define success of that product? Make a prototype even though it's not full, it's not, you know, uh, developed yet but at least it allows you to say, hey, where do I go look for ideas? Where do, what do I need to develop instead of wasting all that time developing all kinds of stuff and then end up saying, well, I don't really need all that. However, I do recognize the value of developing all kinds of things because that's what can inspire ideas also, but that's why it's an iterative process. That's how I do it in general. Yeah. I. I think it's really important, Basam, that you mentioned starting by asking yourself, and I'm going to rephrase it a little bit, but what is it that I want the viewer to experience, right? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to think? How do I want them to interact with this? Because that's a really important step in how or what path you take to develop an idea. So if I have the idea of sadness, I could have somebody actually feel sad, like I want them to feel the sadness of this image, or maybe I want them to think about sadness through the lens of something else. What does sadness feel like once it's passed? What does sadness feel like when you look at it through someone else's eyes? What does sadness feel like, et cetera, et cetera. So you can take one particular idea and develop it in 80 different directions. But if you don't know where you want it to go, then you are, you're part of a different process. And both of these are two two legitimate processes. You can take an idea and just explore it and find out where you end up. Or you can take an idea and ask yourself, where do I want this to be at the end? What do I want people to feel? And then how do I include what processes or steps do I have to include to make sure that I develop this in a way that that's where we end up? So that's a really legitimate way to build, um, you know, pieces of art and like you said, it is iterative. So you start it. It doesn't mean you don't go back and do the same thing over again or from a different perspective, but knowing where you want it to be 
is a, a really fantastic place to start because if I want something to be grotesque, I'm not gonna arrive there by accident, right? If I want something to be soulful, I'm, I need to go back and take those steps and include the colors and the wardrobe and the et cetera of whatever I'm using to make sure that it gets there. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who can, uh, who can take that. That's something you can easily use in your own process and experiment with to see if you begin with the end product or what you want the end product to do, getting there becomes uh, a whole lot easier. Or it can. Well, in a, in a way, an analogy would be, and I, I know almost nothing about painting. I've never even tried it. But you can see, you know, you guys are, are artists and, and illustrators. And, you know, you usually start with a frame of something and then you fill it in with the details. Right? Now, I'm sure there are artists that start with details, go all over the place and end up in beautiful places. But in general, it's like color by number, right? You have the frame and then you start filling it in and, and, and making it what you want it to be. I Sorry if I that was a bad analogy. I guess that no, was a bad no. analogy. I've, uh, I'm, I'm wearing my gloves because it's cold outside and they're supposed to have the little fingers so that you can actually still, you know, interact with your screen, but they don't work that well. So I end up like pressing the button 50 million times. Um, yes, no, it is. It's, it's fantastic because even for writers, um, there, there are so many different ways that you can write, let's say a fiction novel. There are some writers who will know exactly how they want it to end they will go through and they will plot out every chapter, what's supposed to happen, when things are supposed to change, when are they gonna fight, when are they gonna get back together, all of this stuff. And then there are other writers, really well-known, fantastically successful writers, who actually will build their book a scene at a time. And those scenes are not necessarily in chronological order. They may get inspired to write a scene between a father and a son, and then later on they're writing a fight scene that just happened to come to them and then they start piecing it together like a quilt and trying to figure out where these pieces work. And they still end up with a coherent, really beautiful novel. So these processes can be really individual, but I like your example because it gives people a concrete place that they can actually start to experiment. And if they haven't done much of this, then being able to at least have a framework and that's one that you can use can help to start developing those skills so you can alter your process later as you find out what works best for you. Becca, you can remain silent no longer. Fine. Fine. Uh, my silence is mostly just trying to think of where, where to start because it can be such a complex process, but uh, you really hit the nail on the head there with focusing on that experience and that feeling and that really is where every piece of art begins for me whether it's my own personal feeling or what i want the eventual audience to be feeling when experiencing the art and i like to think of it as like if you were i mean because most of the art that i do is mostly 2d you know and it's end product um i mean if you were in inside the image what would you personally be experiencing um and particularly like with character art like what is the feeling you get what is that first impression you get when you meet someone and so when meeting someone through that piece of artwork you know what 
feelings are they evoking in you? Are you afraid? Does it feel sensual? Is it uncomfortable? Is it joyful? And then using everything in that visual literacy handbook to build out from there, you know, what is going to amplify this feeling to make the experience the most impactful that it possibly can be? Yeah, so I, it's interesting. I've done this both ways. Um, sometimes beginning from that end product, because I already have a really solid idea of what I think or how I feel about something. And every now and then, as I've mentioned, I'll have a fully formed image just pop into my mind. It's there. It's incredibly clear. I don't know always what brought it there, but I know exactly what it looks like. And sometimes in the creation process, it will change a bit, but it usually stays pretty pretty close to whatever it was that I'd imagined. And then it becomes some, you know, smaller details that I have to work out. But other times when I'm starting from scratch and I don't necessarily know where I'm going, I have a vague idea of what I want to happen, but I don't have really clear steps I can take to actually make it be a reality. Then I have to start walking myself through a few exercises and I have, I've done this with actually a couple of people, um, a couple of people from the Artist Forge. We've done this before. But one of the things that you can start off with is to ask yourself to come up with a few words, just really hyper specific words that you can use to start pivoting. So they kind of become a pivot point where you can bring ideas in and turn them around and see where they fit. And so, um, you know, let's say we're we're working on. Let me make something up really quickly. Um, let's say we're working on what it's like to experience the joy of parenting when your children are tiny. Those little moments of perfection. Maybe that's what we're working on. And so you have to start asking yourself questions that will help you come up with words that really become central and then build off like the trunk of a tree. So if we had to come up with words for that, we might say something like, you know, content, or we might say something like um, joyous, we might say nostalgic. I mean, we can start coming up with words that really fit. Once we have a few of those words, we weigh them against each other and find out which ones are the stickiest, which one's really best. If we had to narrow everything down into a couple words, which ones would fit the best for this particular concept? And then that word has connotations all of its own. And we can start asking ourselves the questions that are related to visual literacy. So what colors are included in this word nostalgic? What kind of colors do I see when I imagine the word nostalgic? Do I see kind of Kodachrome from the 70s? Am I seeing black and white? Am I seeing a lot of highly saturated colors? What does nostalgia mean to me? And then when it comes to um, you know, framing. Is this the kind of thing where I'm looking down at my kids? And if it is, what does that mean? Or is this the kind of thing where I'm at eye level or I'm looking up at them? And what does that mean if that's the position the viewer is in? So all of the, the conversation that we've had around visual literacy, all of those different aspects from the location that you're in, the colors that you use, the framing that you have, um, are you looking, you know, up or down from that perspective? Are there, uh, what's the shape language like? Are things very round and soft? Are they hard and sharp? What does that tell us about these feelings? So I find that finding a word that really represents what I'm trying to explore can help guide me down those paths 
so I can start asking myself a lot of questions about how do I take these different aspects of visual literacy? What do I include in order to make that word really start to come to life? And slowly a mental image will start to develop in my head so that when I'm visualizing it, I can get a feeling for if that's where I wanna go or not. And the best thing I can do um, as an illustrator is do this several different times with several different words that fit well and then look at the end results and go, which one fits the best, right? And so often this will be um, thumbnail sketches if you're illustrating, um, sometimes even painting. You'll do a series of thumbnail sketches and you'll include the values in those. And the main idea is not to get all the way down to the details, but to say compositionally, what works the best, shape language wise, what works the best. If you decide to add color to that, palette wise, what works the best. And those things really help you develop an idea and then you can continue to execute but that's kind of the first big steps that I take in order to see something come to life in my head and then weigh it against what I feel about that thing rather than asking myself well what do I want the end result to be because sometimes I have the seed and I don't actually know so that might be a process that people can work through in order to take the opposite approach. When you have a seed and you feel like it's gonna grow to a good place, but you don't have an end result in mind yet. All right, so I wanna give our moderators one last chance to get in some thoughts before we start bringing people up from the audience. So if you're in the audience today and you wanna be able to chat about how you start developing ideas, not just where you get the inspiration from, but once you have the inspiration, what do you do with it? in order to make a piece of art. Raise your hand, we'll bring you up. I'm gonna grab Trish, and uh, hopefully the rest of you feel like you have something to chat about this morning because we wanna hear from you. So, Mods, any other kind of thoughts on this idea development phase? Sorry, I'm juggling children and uh, trying to squeeze in a moment. Um, I was thinking, you brought up thumbnail sketching, and I even for people who don't know how to draw, um, I feel like going through that kind of multiple concept process can be very, very helpful. Um, and especially if they're just drafts for yourself, like no one else has to see them, they don't have to actually even be very good. Um, but it really helps flesh out how the idea can be looked at from different perspectives. So like when working on concept art, right, you know, we're, we're looking at multiple concepts and then reviewing them to decide what is the most effective way of communicating whatever the story may be. And you can apply this to almost anything. I mean, it can, you can apply this to just general painting, you can apply this to photography, to sculpting, whatever, just kind of fleshing out those ideas from different perspectives. And so then you can start seeing how different shapes are more impactful, how different senses of value are more impactful and different ways that you can explore the same idea. And it helps you think more creatively also, because then you're not locked in to one single final product. Um, I definitely fall into the school of uh, getting the finished image directly in my head immediately, like it's it's instantaneous. And so even though I go through those steps of understanding visual literacy, that tends to be more, hold on one second, my darling, um, when it comes to fleshing out the little details. Um, so what can I do to make this better than what this original idea was in my head? Um, and it does evolve sometimes from that initial 
vision than I have. Um, but yeah, just going through the process of creating those drafts and trying things differently just to see if they work or not can really, really, really be beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've never done this for yourself, if you've even if you're a photographer, if you've never sketched out a few thumbnail ideas for concepts that you have, really encourage you to do that because it's your first look at what that image might be. And once you're on set, of course, we know that things might change. But this is what allows you to do all of these initial steps like, what kind of material am I going to use? Is it going to be shiny? Is it going to be matte? What kind of you know, props am I going to have? Are they going to look old? Or are they going to look new? Are they going to be, you know, shiny? Are they going to be like distressed? You get to start asking yourself all these questions as you develop from these thumbnails. So they can be a really great catalyst to help you develop ideas. Dustin, if you can chat this morning, um, I'd love to snag you up as well, because you, you know, a big part of your job is being able to develop these visual concepts. So um, that might be a, a great thing to have you for. So Trish, let's begin with you. Okay. I'm sorry, oh, Nicole. Matt, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, Trish. I'm sorry. Just one thing I wanted to add in, and I, I thought of it as we were going along, is I struggle with this quite a bit. Maybe we can talk about it in the conversation at some point, is asking others for feedback on the idea to get input, not to necessarily sway the idea, but just to see if it holds up, if it would be of interest, if it would be interesting. Um, you know, asking close advisor friends of mine always helps me try to flush it out. And if I'm just like, screw your feedback, then I know it's my idea alone and I, you know, risk peril going forward with it. But um, asking for feedback, I'd love to hear how people do that at some point in the ideation process. Man. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good morning, friend. So, so yeah, we are discussing developing ideas today i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on hold for just a second because trish has really been waiting um, sure, so I, sure i am gonna grab you i promise but i, I want to make sure that she has a chance to share so good morning trish good morning um and no worries to be honest i'm like i'm waiting for the class my daughter's class to flip over to a small room and i know she can't do that on her own so um so no worry on the wait but um yeah so for me I, I have never considered myself very creative, to be honest with you. I know that sounds funny, um, but I, I'm really a portrait photographer. And I've, um, I guess, I think I mentioned this uh, last week, is that between January and March or January and April, I tend to get this surge of, ooh, I really want to be creative and do something. And then it kind of dwindles. <laughs> I think I, I might do one or two things and then it doesn't work out because you know, I clearly need more skills um, and I get frustrated and then all of a sudden I get busy. So those things kind of get put to the side. But um, when I found that necklace that I posted in the Facebook group, it was just a vibe that I got from it. And I really have this huge desire now um, to finish it. Not And one of the reasons that I have this desire to finish this particular project is because I actually know someone who can design the costume for me and that's where my struggle is is kind of designing the concept and and figuring out how things work um and how to create them because I am not I don't sew like I could probably sew a square box I'm good with that but that, <laughs> but anything beyond that is is really difficult for me so um, for me, my process first starts with like this urgency and this desire, um, which 
up until now, I haven't really had this particular necklace is really making me want to do something different um, and creative. Um, and so when I start my process, I'll start flipping through images on Pinterest. I know like the, basically the rabbit hole and I go down there and I'll go down there for weeks, months, like just trying to find little tidbits of things that I like uh, and see how those can go together. And when you were talking about drawing out a sketch, I think it was Becca that was saying, you know, draw it out. And I was I'm like, I can draw a stick figure. <laughs> I'm good at that. Um, but to get detailed and intricate, I, you know, it takes a lot from that, from me to try and figure out how to do that. So for me, my process starts with finding something that excites me. Uh, first of all, whether it's a concept, whether it's a style, uh, whether it's a piece of jewelry or whatever it might be. And then it's kind of humming over it. Like, I mean, I've had that necklace since the beginning of December and I picked it up because I thought, wow, this is super, super cool. I don't know what to do with it. And the more I kept on looking at it, the more I kept on finding the vibe for it, which I think I had posted in the Facebook group that it really gave me this stranger, stranger things vibe with those growing vines and, um, like those, are they like the blood curdling? I don't know. I haven't seen the show in so long, but like that was kind of the the vibe that I was getting from it. And I was like, how can I turn this into something? Um, and then I was like, but is that is that even doable? Can I do that? How do I do that? Um, and then my obviously I went to to the Artist Forge because I know you guys are all super super creative. Um, and have imaginations like I have never seen before. So I thought like, this is the best place to go. And then I started going into the Pinterest world and, you know, like I said, the rabbit hole. So now I'm kind of at the process where I'm, I'm meeting with um, a designer on Friday and I sent her the piece. She says, we're going to meet on Friday and let's kind of go through it and see what you want. And she'll kind of put it all together for me. But um, the not necessarily the concept, but based the drawings based on what my ideas are, so that the glue can actually make it happen. But it's a struggle for me, like this coming outside of my regular box, right? You want a headshot? No problem. I can do a headshot. You want a portrait? Great. No problem. Very simplistic. There's no extras. There's no props. There's none of that stuff. But I find um, I find that it's almost uncomfortable to try and figure out how to be creative when you feel like you're an imposter, if that makes any sense. Oh, woman, you just, you just threw down something I think so many of us feel. Um, it's such a strange thing. It's such a strange relationship that we have to creativity when we feel like that is only accessible by certain special people and we're not one of them. It's such a weird, relationship to have and i'm not sure if this is because our our school systems squish creativity from an early age because we need everybody to be able to doing the same thing because that's the only way that you can teach 50 kids at once um or if it's just because of the way we kind of we think of artists as like this strange weird group <laughs> all on their own who nobody thinks like them and they've just been gifted by the muses with weird heads like I don't know what it is that does this to us, but creativity is human. It's human, y'all. You, you can be the most creative uh, astrophysicist that exists. 
You can be the most creative plumber that exists. Creativity is not limited to a certain career field or a certain type of person. All of us have access to this and we need to, to work really hard to break down some of those barriers that make us feel like we are not in that crowd because we absolutely are. This is why I teach creativity in the first place so folks can realize creative doesn't mean crafty, right? Creative means that you can take different pieces of information and put them together to come up with something new. And this is a human trait. This is what a big part of what has allowed us to evolve into planet killers. God, that's depressing. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to go all the way there, but God. Okay. Um, anyway, so we all, we all have that and access to that. And I love Matt that you also mentioned um, mastermind groups, you know, even if it's just two or three of your friends who can show up for you and bat ideas around and throw things back at you. Like this is literally why people pay me to consult because they need that. They need somebody who can take their ideas and help them develop them in a mastermind group of people that you trust. Man, that's so freaking helpful. So yes, Dustin, go ahead and then we'll hear from Erica. I'm not sure how to follow up uh, some of that, <laughs> but uh you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the idea of, of having a, a really good uh, feedback loop that you trust is key. Um, it's one of the hardest things to actually seek out because you have to be willing to to drop your pride <laughs> and and really hear the honesty that, you know, that, that people you trust will, will give you on your ideas. Um, one of the ways that, you know, it really depends on what you're doing. For myself, uh, you know, as a CGI instructor, as I'm sitting here working on planning courses and whatnot, I, I've got a really good feedback loop of people that have have gone through uh, my training before and are, are brutally honest with me as to whether I'm, you know, kind of adding fluff and, and filler just for the sake of, you know, of information that's not really relevant. Um, I, on the creative side, nowadays, I, I really just follow my gut. Um, and, and I like to like to just create. And the reason for that is, is what I found for myself personally, is that if I sit and I and on the idea for too long, I'll talk myself out of it. Uh, whether it's because of the time that it takes to complete, um, you know, maybe the financial side of it that, you know, I have a project, for instance, you know, so I got into this weird little hobby, uh, hobby for a while of uh, taking these Nerf guns and stripping them down, painting them, gluing parts on, kind of kit bashing them together for for props, and it was great. But then I realized, I'm like, wow, this is costing actually a lot more than you know what I anticipated. Um, and so now I have you know people that kind of do some of that stuff for me that are are cosplayers, you know, and it, it's really interesting, you know, the the idea of you know, creativity, because I think it's something that we all really struggle with. And, you know, I'm myself and <laughs> I'm probably, you know, I, I've hit dark spots, uh, plenty of them, you know, where I hit creative block and whatnot. And generally speaking, my easiest way out of that is just to follow my gut. And if I, if I have an idea, uh, you just figure out how to execute it. I'm not really one to sit in concept sketch. Um, I used to sketch all the time and I feel like my brain went backwards and stick figures are my, my go-to now, <laughs> but uh, it, it's definitely, um, 
you know, for me, it's following my gut, you know, on, on personal type create projects. And then when it's things that I'll really uh, share to either teach or, you know, look to impact um, the creative community with, I just have a very solid feedback loop, uh, a, a tight knit group of people that I ask for support. You know, Dustin, you said something I wanted to grab that somebody else mentioned as well, which was uh, the stick figures. In your head, it's not a stick figure. Only to other people, it's a stick figure. In your head, while you're drawing, that is the lady or the gremlin or, you know, the superhero or whoever it is or whatever it is, you're building this concept around. These sketches do not need to be fancy, y'all. All you need is something physical that can represent your idea and a stick figure it's just a physical representation of a more complex idea that's in your head. So a stick, figure, <laughs> a stick figure is a legitimate thing to draw when you're trying to figure out what would it look like if the person was here in the frame? What would it look like if they were here? How do I feel from a visual perspective if they're looking down on me this way versus if they're looking up at me this way? Those are the things that these sketches exist to provide for us. So don't worry if you couldn't draw a half realistic person to save your damn life a stick figure will do it's representative it does not need to be a piece of art it's just a way to explore ideas so please don't be afraid of that um yeah I wanna... and i sorry go ahead go ahead no go ahead and then i want to make sure erica has a chance to speak and then carol has had her hand up as well all right. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's a very good point. Um, you know, being in the world of CGI and, and teaching CGI, I do get a lot of questions uh, about drawing. And <laughs> like, I, I tell people the same thing. I'm like, I, I draw stick figures. Um, if I concept, a lot of times now I'm actually using, um, you know, 3D as my conceptual sketch. Um, but it, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's all about, you know, what, what's in your head and what the imagination is, is bringing to the table. And, you know, for me, when I, you know, when I say that I kind of follow my gut and I just, you know, I start a project, that's pretty much where it comes from is figuring out the execution of how I'm getting from point A to point B, uh, you know, based on that idea, maybe it's a napkin sketch, a couple of stick figures standing on a hill <laughs> and you, uh, you just bring it to life. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll let you go in just a second, Becca. I just wanted to say, I think where you're, where you're talking about, I go on my gut is where a lot of people want to be, right? That's the goal is getting to a place where you are so facile with this skill of idea development that you're able to follow those initial instincts and still get what you want at the end. And that's the skill that we're trying to build, right? Because be, being able to master this, ability of development, of idea development, really highly depends on your ability to take what's in your head and then actually make it real. And for many of us, um, that's the thing that keeps us from doing this is that we'll begin by having an idea and we go make the thing. And then we look at the thing and we go, God, this is not what I wanted at all. Like, how did this even come from what was in my head? And why can't I take this thing in my head and manifest that in real life? And that will obviously become a roadblock to people because once they think they can't do it, they go, oh God, I can't do this. I, I can't believe I was fooling myself and I thought I could be creative that way. And then they abandon the process and they go back to things that they already have mastered because 
those things make you feel a lot better about yourself. But if that's a place that you're in right now, please don't, don't give up. Don't be afraid. All you have to do is literally keep doing and get that feedback loop because you will develop to a place where you can say what Dustin says, which is like, I'm just, I just go with my gut. Once it's in there, it's, I can't start developing things because I just have an inherent pull towards what the next thing needs to be. That's something that you have to master. It's a skill that you have to build so you can get there. Um, Becca, go ahead. And then Eric, I want to hear from you. Yeah. I just wanted to grab on first to Trisha's stick figure, uh, comment and then Dustin brought it up too um, and also mentioned kit bashing um, which I mean I feel like if you don't work in some form of modeling you're probably not familiar with kit bashing but it's basically like taking different pieces of things of a kit and smashing them together to make something new so that can be in 3D and or you even see this with people who build like um, like tabletop game models and stuff like that Um, but all of that comes back to looking at creativity not as necessarily only for artists, like you said, Nicole, but as problem solving. So in the case of like only being able to draw stick figures and then not knowing how to design a costume, uh, you can go out and you can just download off the internet, like a blank, um, like body template for fashion design. And uh, you can even get Photoshop brushes that have, uh, you know, these bodies as the brushes and then start developing your costume design from there. Um, And you can, how I would tie this idea of kit bashing into this, because this is just one way to just kind of practice creative creatively seeing things um you can even play with like random brushes in photoshop uh like if you go download a set of abstract photoshop brushes with random scatter settings or whatever and then just start using them to draw interesting silhouettes over this you know stamped character you're going to start seeing really interesting ideas in ways that you might not have thought of just you know in your own mind um so i feel like again focusing on like ways to practically solve that problem of oh i don't know how to draw but i want to draw this to help think help myself think better how can you solve that problem well you can go find a template you can go find a brush you can go find you know a kit of things to smash together go look in your closet and start looking at the clothes there and how do they you know how do the fabrics flow how does you know applique work how does you know the shoulders on a jacket look and start taking those pieces and chopping them up together and it doesn't have to look good again it does not have to look good but going out and finding things to look at in a creative way um again paramount but yeah i just want to say there are templates out there so i know trish you're worried about like designing this dress and you're going to have the designer create some sketches and stuff for you but it might be beneficial too just to go and start looking at those silhouettes because the silhouette is going to make a huge huge impact on what kind of character that is is it jagged is it smooth is it you know reminiscent of something i know i suggested a mermaid um could be good practice could be very good practice and on that same topic there's a great book called the skillful huntsman if anyone is interested in looking at how concepts are developed and that's a great one okay i'm done <laughs> Ooh, put it in the facebook group becca put it in the facebook group okay oh, yeah. yeah amen okay. amen i'll just say amen i love it <laughs> <laughs> nice. okay erica i want to hear from you and then we'll hear from carol Yeah, I can say from experience that, you know, I've watched the evolution of my creativity and my um, design and image concept development over the past few years. You know, it used to be I'd uh, get inspiration and then just try to do something immediately with that. And then it went from that to um, getting my inspiration, whether that be from an image or nature or a thrift find, kind of like Trish, 
um, to starting an open notebook where I am researching in a variety of places um, the subject, not necessarily looking at Pinterest at images, but um, you know, a couple of years ago it was birds. So I investigated birds and the habits of birds, the lines of birds and, and things like that. Um, so then from that, this open notebook, I'll keep possibly for months and just sketch and do word association and, you know, find offshoots from the original idea that, you know, at that point had developed into basically pretty pictures. But what I have added to that um, since that series of images was more of the visual literacy and the story, like taking those concepts, Nicole, that you talked about and, and trying to add that in. And um, right now I'm fleshing through a, a subject um, that I, I thought of an idea and I love the idea, but now I am trying to relate that back to my audience and that how it can tell their story so they are relating to it in a better way. So, um, so I would say just keep on working on it, you know, bit by bit, you'll develop things. And like you said, that feedback loop, you know, from the first time to the second time to the third time, um, it will get more and more involved and more and more robust. And hopefully you'll see the results as you keep going. Love that. Okay, Carol, wanna hear from you. What are your thoughts on developing these ideas into concepts we can actually use? Okay, um, I don't develop into concepts, so I don't know if this fits in. But as far as uh, creativity, yeah, I think everybody has their own creative bent if they just kind of seek it out. But um, for me, what it is, I look at the characteristics of the medium and get to know the medium and what it naturally lends itself to because I use a lot of things that aren't just traditionally art materials you can't force it it's like half of the art is in the scene what does the materials characteristics lend themselves to and uh as far as problem solving it's it is about problem solving for me because i like to just sort of go for it with experimentation and a lot of times i block myself in a corner and it's like god i don't know what to do next and sometimes it means that i have to leave it sit and i'm thinking of of it in the back of my mind to go back to and and i always find a way to to finish it and make it work um but in in that whole process you know i i come up with things that are really different because of that and sometimes it is a little bit hard to work out what the next step is but because of it it makes the you know the art more unique and I've, i'll give an example because i was working with this guy he was i was supposed to be mentoring with him to learn how to do art business well he didn't teach me any art business but he really liked the way i was able to take things that otherwise you know might not look like they would be appealing in any way and make something aesthetically pleasing out of them right so he tried it and he he got this bottle cap and he smashed it down and he painted it gold and he put a put a pin on the back and he gave it to his wealthy wife who <laughs> you know what it looked like a bottle cap that somebody smashed and put a pin on the back of it totally you know 
it didn't lend itself to that. So half of it is you have to see, um, like I tried to do clay. And when I first tried doing clay, it was, it was flopping all over the place and I hated it. And I'm like, oh God, I don't know what to do with this. One day I picked up a, a misshapen bowl that someone had tossed in their in the bin and it was leather hard and it was perfect for carving and from that point on man i was carving clay like crazy so basically you have to work with whatever the medium is and i like to create problems in using up um you know the stuff that nobody else wants um i co-taught this collage class and all these people, I mean, they had some nice materials and little scraps that fell on the floor and stuff or that they left there or leftover paint. I love to take all the little bits. We had to clean the classroom and it's like, you know, there was paper that had gold leaf on and, and things like that and just really specialty papers and things. And I just love taking all the disparate things and putting them together to make them look aesthetically pleasing, if that makes sense. Um, as far as planning out a concept and drawing it uh, out or anything like that, I just, I don't do that, but I think about art all the time and everything that I view, I think in terms of art. Like recently a post on my page is, um, I, I had uh, cantaloupe and I love the pattern that's on cantaloupe. And I thought, wow, I wanna use that with clay, never got to do it. Um, what can I do with it? And I'm like, I wonder if I could see these, my faces in, in the pattern. And I was able to draw faces, you know, so it's just, that's how it's a bit different than what you guys are talking about. I'm not good at developing a complete concept in advance because it's all about the experimentation for me, if that makes sense. Thank you. It absolutely does. And I'm so glad that you mentioned how important it is to understand the medium that you're working with because it's such a key i mean i think we sometimes those of us who work a lot in the digital space we tend to overlook the fact that when you're working with your hands understanding the medium and how it behaves and what its benefits are what it can do what it's not good for all of those things can so much inform where you take a piece of art and um having recently gotten into pottery myself, I'm learning how to throw and I'm noticing, you know, as I'm working with my hands, what the feel is and what I can do with it and what I can't do with it. And if I were to take it and try this or do that, that lends itself towards specific kinds of things. So I think you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought up the fact that sometimes the experimentation itself is the process. And so for folks who are out there like you, who are not, you know, coming up with a a concept in advance, but who are using the materials that they like to work with and the things that they're inspired by as a way to experiment themselves into a final product, that is a legitimate way to move forward as well. Um, if what you, with what you're getting from the experience and what you want to communicate is the aesthetically pleasing or the visually interesting, it's a, it's a really fantastic way to work. So another completely cool and legitimate way to move forward with making a piece of art. Um, okay, so as we're getting close to the end of our hour, I want to do a quick little exercise that I'm just going to walk everybody through in order to see what it might look like to start developing something from 
a very basic idea into a reality. And I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use Lord of the Rings as an example. Okay, so if you've ever read the novels, then you've of course heard about things like orcs and goblins and all of that good stuff, right? When you're developing this novel into a visual medium, you don't have all the information to go on. So as they're developing Lord of the Rings for film, they have these orcs. What do you do with them? How do you visually represent them? What are they? And how do the visual aesthetics of how they're presented communicate what they are? So if an orc is basically a kind of bastardization of, you know, elves and they're kind of twisted and ruined, which is what they are, how do you see that visually? What, what does that manifest itself as? Are they going to be wearing fine gold armor? <laughs> Probably no. They are, if you look at the movies, you'll see that the materials they use are twisted kind of scrap pieces. They have jagged edges. They're very dark. They look like somebody put them together almost with their eyes closed. It's just a mismatched mess of pieces and the metal is not polished and it there's dried blood on things and things are rusted and it's just really heinous looking, right? As opposed to when you're working with the elves. It's not as if Tolkien wrote a perfect description of their armor for the concept artist to draw from. They just had to start asking themselves questions about who these people were. They've been alive for a bazillion years. They enjoy beauty and nature and all of these things. And so you'll see that in the concept art and then in the film, there's a lot of organic lines to the things that they wear and the materials that are used. They have the influence of things like leaves, blades of grass, etc. So you can take that same process and move that into your own ideation by asking yourself, well, how does this thing manifest? What actually is it? When I think of sadness, what colors are involved in that? What body postures communicate sadness? What expressions communicate sadness? Where are people when they feel sad? And then you can also ask yourself questions about how these things communicate. So do I want someone to get sadness from everything in the image? Or do I want the image, the sadness to become a contrast to other things that are going on? And that's something fun about, if you'll go to the Facebook group, and take a look at the necklace that Trish is going to use. There are a million different ways that you could use this necklace, but it comes down to asking yourself, well, what do I want it to do? Is this necklace purely the inspiration for the rest of the visual? And I'm going to build off of the necklace, off of the organic look of it, off of the hard, shiny shape of it, off of the coralness of it. Am I going to use that just as a way to inspire an entire theme or is the necklace the centerpiece? And if it is, how do I show that visually? How do I support it? Do I want it to be contrasted via texture, color, size, all of these things? That's why the visual literacy aspect is so important because it gives you a framework for the questions that you can ask about how these visuals are actually built. So you can take what was an idea and start to put realness to it. It starts to get flesh and bone so that you can look at it as a real thing um, and ask yourself, is that what I want? And I think um, for those of us who are not gonna draw things out, um, and, and Carol, I'm not sure if this applies to you as well, but I mentioned it's important if you can 
to try to get something down on paper. The reason I mention that is because for most people, it's much easier to have a visual to reference their thoughts because they may actually lose the visual in their head if they don't. For me, half of what I do is in my head. I've mentioned this before. I usually have something done in my mind before I ever commit it to paper. Um, and then it's just a question of exploring details. And like you mentioned, Becca, but I do this with novels as well. I will often think my way through huge pieces and I'll return to them over and over again. And I will essentially have either created them or written them in my head before they ever become an actual anything. And then it's just the process of finesse and working out the details. So um, you can take some of these ideas we've talked about today of sketching things up in several different versions of making sure you understand the material, playing with it, really getting to know how it behaves. How does that relate to, um, to taking an idea and developing it? Using visual literacy as a roadmap. So asking yourself these questions about color and shape and light and form and texture and concept and mood and all of those kinds of things. How do those help you start developing ideas? You can use word association, find words that really are deeply associated with the concept that you're working on and then allow those words to help influence the things that you explore when you're coming up with ideas. And eventually when you get really good at this, you are not gonna necessarily have to take these things step by step. Um, as Dustin mentioned, it's gonna become a gut feeling that you can follow because you've walked this path a million times and you know how to move forward. So I wanna make sure we have some time for final thoughts as the folks on the panel. Do you all have anything final to add to this discussion on how we develop our ideas um, before we close down for today? I appreciate that. Uh, no, I, I, I just want to say that I really appreciate what Carol brought about in, in her in her in her interaction, and and how you followed up, Nicole. It's about. I'm going to relate it to business discussions we had when we talked about levers, right? It's it's taking the time and and being curious enough to look for the nuances. She mentioned. Uh, Carol mentioned the actual, uh, you know, the, the medium that you're working with, being curious, not just about a piece of clay, but, you know, what's beneath the surface, the color, the composition, the density, the different makeups, the chemistry, so on and so forth, which allows you to come up with what are the different levers that I have that I can use in the context that I'm using. No, so it, you, you could have seven different material qualities that you can play with. But what can I leverage in this specific context? Maybe color would work this time, but maybe not consistency or, or, or density or so on. Maybe density works for a different concept. But just knowing the nuances and being able to say, hey, I can play with this in a way that maximizes my creativity. Uh, I, that just connect, I connected with what she said and obviously the, the, the articulate follow through with the, that you came up with, Nicole. Go ahead, y'all. You don't got to wait on me. Um, I also just want to say I appreciated that Carol brought up the the difference in medium and the difference in process. Um, and I, I know, like we we talked about now about sketches and stuff like that. That doesn't mean that is the only way, right? That's just one element of exploring ideas through, you know, a certain lens, if you will. I mean, the the individuality of each artist's brain is probably going to rule no matter what. And so it's, it's a matter of exploring different ideas for yourself to find out what works for you. Um, 
and everything else are just tools that maybe you can use or maybe you can leave them on the table. All right, anything else, y'all, before I close them down for today? I see we've got a hand up. Grab an MJ. No, I just, I mean, this, this was a really good conversation. Um, you know, I, I did talk about following my gut and I think that, you know, if I could give any advice to, to people trying new things is to really embrace your small wins, um, you know, and, and look at what you're doing. You know, if, if you're starting off with, say, pottery, it's something that I don't know a whole lot about in, in clay sculpting. Um, I mean, I, I use ZBrush, which is a digital sculpting software, um, you know, but using using the small wins to help build confidence in your ideas, um, again, mixed in with a really good feedback loop is a really good way to, to continue and, and stay inspired during your, your progression period. Uh, because we're always moving forward. <laughs> I mean, you know, the more confident we get, the more that we build uh, upon our skill sets, you know, the easier things are going to come on future projects. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely take those wins when you get them and use those for your confidence. If you made something and it was 50% of the way to where to toward what you wanted, heck yeah, you just learned a whole crap ton. And the next time you try to explore that idea, you'll have a whole lot to build on. So don't let those, uh, what you perceive as those imperfections or that inability to get exactly where you want to go. Don't let that, don't let that make you feel like it's holding you back. That's just a step ladder toward the next place. So MJ, I want to make sure we hear from you and then I'll start closing things down. I know that often I don't realize I have an idea in my head or something that's on my heart, or even if that's something that I, I do want to explore. I, I'm not someone who tends, all my ideas are, are fully fleshed just, you know, when I have a chance to think about them. A lot of times, even my visual ideas have to start out with me putting things into words. Um, I find that my brain kind of thinks in ideas rather than words. And so sitting down and writing things out, I may not even realize that that's what I'm setting out to do. I'm not necessarily sitting down to to start a project or start something creative, but um, just starting to put down words, um, even, what is it, stream of thought, train of thought, um, really helps me start to nail down maybe something I'm feeling strongly about that I want to explore or even just something I want to explore. And I found that um, even when I get to a point after that, because I do have such a hard time um, fleshing things out all the way. Um, when I do thumbnail sketches, I really found it helpful in school when my teachers would say, no, you have to turn in this amount of thumbnail sketches. So I would think I would have my idea down, but as I would sketch things out and try different compositions, just, you know, just to get that like 15 thumbnail sketches down, um, I would see different insights and then I could add it to my, you know, my journal of ideas of of compositions I would want to try with with different things but that's just my process and I would love to hear if anybody else has a different process of if they don't instantly have that that full image when when you first start out 
this is Carol. I never have the full image. I know you need to close down the room, but no, it's it's uh, about creating problems for myself and solving them because with each problem that I solve, it actually makes it more unique and better. It's a little bit harder, but I totally just walk myself, like I said, in a corner, um, not knowing what I'm going to do next, set it aside and just keep thinking about it until I can figure out what to do with it. There's there is not a plan. <laughs> Carol, I'm done. I would love to to just go ahead and bring that to Facebook if you don't mind. I'm sorry to ask a question at the end of the class, but I'd love to hear what uh, what people have to say. And if you don't mind me asking that question on the Facebook page, I'd love to do that. No, please do. And you guys never have to ask permission to ask things on the Facebook. Go and do that. That's what it's for. We love that crap. Um, but you, you bring up a really great point that's a fantastic thing for us to end with, MJ, is that um, one of the big ways that you can force yourself to think creatively and push yourself beyond the limits of what you think is good enough is to give yourself some creative boundaries that you have to meet. Whether that's, I'm, um, here's one, if you do any kind of digital art, you are only allowed to use one brush. One brush of one shape, you can't change it can't even change the size you get one brush and you have to go in and create something with that um and other things that you can do are you know like you said um mj you you have to have 15 sketches you're not going to let yourself get away with three because on the third one you went oh this is nice and now you're going to go forward with that nope you're going to force yourself to explore these ideas as far as you can before your brain breaks so that you can really say, I have taken this as many ways as I can take it. And out of everything I could have possibly imagined, uh, this is the right way to go. Or maybe it becomes a combination. So giving yourself some of those constraints can push your creativity in ways that you're not expecting. And in the development process of, well, you know, where am I going to go with this? I want a landscape where crystals are growing out of the ground like trees. Okay. I'm gonna go draw this and try to draw it 15 different ways. I'm gonna to try to sketch it up with different values and different colors. I'm gonna look at it from a ground perspective. I'm gonna look at it from a bird's eye view. I'm gonna look at it from behind some you know, blades of grass. I'm gonna look at it through the eyes of something. I mean, there are a million different ways that we can start exploring these ideas so that they have to manifest themselves in new and creative iterations that we get to then pick from. So that is a really fantastic way to be developing concepts. And often, um, if you ever look at a book of concept art, you will see there's a reason that there are several concept artists on any one given project because they're all bringing something different to the table and these individual styles and individual shape languages and the way that they speak help to develop what the final product is going to be. So you can do this on your own. You're inspired by something. Does it stick? Is it something you just are excited to work with? It's not going away. How do you want people to feel when they look at, see, interact with it? What are you exploring here? And how can you take all the things that you know about visual literacy, about shape and color and form and texture and light and expression and movement, how can you take composition and put those pieces together in order to achieve that end? And if you don't know what the end is yet, what do you know about the process of working with what you have that will help you explore until you get to something where you say, oh, this is it. This is the end. It's done now. 
So this is a, a concept we can keep exploring and figuring out how we take something. And if you are in the Facebook group, we would love to have you ask questions, share your thoughts, let people know what your process is like. Because if you haven't built up the skill yet, there are, and you've heard today, a lot of different ways that you can take some of these processes, try them out for yourself. And maybe you'll find, you know what, doing the whole sketch thing doesn't really work for me, but playing with the material that really works for me. That generates ideas that helps guide me. Or maybe you'll be somebody who can do things in your head and you're like, man, if I just go for a walk and I imagine this over and over and over again, and I change things in my head until I have a final picture, that really works for me. However you do it, do it and practice it. Refine that until it becomes, I just follow my gut because your gut knows where you're going. It's been down that road a lot of times. And it's picking out all of the things that you already have in your head and putting them together in the way that you want. So I hope this conversation today was of a value to you. I hope that you will start grabbing and playing with some of these ideas, um, using them for yourselves to help develop things. And I hope you'll share your pictures and the things that you're making in the Facebook group because I want to see, this is an incredible group of talented folks and I want to see what you make. I hope that you will also Join us this Thursday for the first live of the month. We will be live in the Facebook group and, of course, on YouTube as well in the Nicole Creates YouTube channel because um, I was too lazy to build us a separate Artist Forge YouTube channel. Um, so I hope you'll join us for the live and then that you'll be here again bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 6 for the West Coast and 9 for the East Coast afternoon for our friends overseas. If you can't be here, you can always head to the artistforge.com. We are putting up a podcast a day from these recorded rooms so you can go find and listen to those. You can read the transcript there as well, the full transcript. So you got access to all that stuff. In the meantime, go make something amazing and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.